0: Good morning. All right, so today, we're going to look at being blessed to be a blessing. So, let's look at uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. So, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, Having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So I've been I've been feeling that I need to give maybe a little bit more context, if you will, um, to what I've been covering during the offering messages. I've been talking about how. Actually, why and how we give our tithes and offerings. Um, and this is maybe a different, bigger look at, at why we give our tithes and offerings. Um, over the last couple years, I, I believe God has been leading me to study about how to live in the blessing of God. Um, you know, you can call it living in the favor of God, living under the protection of God, living in the grace of God. Um, different people call it different things um, and I'm convinced we can only experience, experience it when we are doing God's will and walking out his plan for our lives um, it's a place where we live in abundance in every area of our lives where we're prospering physically spiritually emotionally relationally and of, and of course financially um, And it's not that we're never under attack or going through a struggle. It's just that we know that we're victorious when we're going through our fight of faith. And my my point is this. Why do we want to get to the point where we're living in abundance, where we're blessed? Do we really need more than, or do we need more finances, if you will, than we need to take care of ourselves and our family? And I believe that God wants us to live in his blessing, to live in abundance so that we can have to give to him that has need, so that we have an abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Yeah. And so that we can be blessed to be a blessing. All right? It it takes money to get the gospel preached, to get the word out there. And if it takes a thousand dollars to meet the needs of your family a week, why not believe for two? So that we can get the thousand that we need and give the thousand to get the gospel preached. <sighs> Giving tithes and offerings connects us to the blessing, to that, to that abundance. So that's that's one that's one of the reasons why we do that. And who's responsible for financing the dissemination of the gospel we are, it's the body it's the the body of Christ, the church so he wants, of course he wants us to be blessed but he wants us to be blessed so that we can be blessing, he wants us to be a conduit of finances so that we can help the poor we can get people saved, we can have the gospel preached throughout the world and he's got more than enough to make sure it gets done. Do we all agree? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you want us to be blessed. Father God, you love us. You want to dote on us. You want to take care of us but you also understand that you've created in us a desire to want to give, to want to be a blessing, that that truly is what satisfies the desires of our hearts. So Father God, we we give our tithes and offerings today in faith, in honor to you, giving thanks to you, expecting that you're going to bless us, you're going to give us an abundance, and we're going to seek you... with what to do with the extra. We're expecting extra, and we're seeking you for wisdom on what, what to do with the extra that you will give us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> Children? Children, turn with me to... No, go ahead. See you guys later. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful service. So glad you're here, worshiping with us this morning. The rest of you, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, Brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed, you know that when you were pagans you were led astray by mute idols. However you were led. Therefore I consent you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit in the spirit of God ever says Jesus be accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Paul's talking to the Corinthians here, and if you've ever studied Corinthians, we just uh, did Corinthians, did a study on Corinthians, what was it, last year or the year before on Wednesday nights, Um, and uh, the Corinthian church was an active church, Corinthian church was on fire, they were, they were blowing and going, there was stuff happening, there was, there were gifts flowing within the body, the problem was, is they were doing it wrong, they weren't doing it the way God wanted them to do it. They were doing some things that were completely out of order. And this whole idea of doctrine is about bringing things into order. It's about bringing things, doing things the, the right way. Because we can do a bunch of things as the body. We can do a bunch of things as a Christian. But if we're not doing the right things in the right way... Then we're just pedaling on a bike that doesn't go anywhere and so as we study the power gifts this is we're starting to get down to the nitty-gritty here. i mean we're talking about salvation that's the most important thing obviously then getting filled with the holy spirit that's where the the power to be a witness comes from but that power that god gives us through the holy spirit is real power I mean, stuff can happen when you apply that power in this world. When you, when you be the kingdom of God in this world, you, you, be, you allow the, the power to flow through you, the power of God in, through the gifts, stuff's going to happen. I mean, real stuff, really amazing stuff, supernatural stuff is going to happen. But if you don't do it right... I mean, there's, there's examples of here of all kinds of things going wrong. And so, as uh, we've been going through the, the study of, of uh, doctrine, and we've been going systematically, and I, I, my plan, my whole purpose was, and I even said it last week, my purpose and plan was to start talking about spiritual gifts, the power gifts. You know, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're, we're, we're speaking in tongues, we're praying in the Spirit, allowing God to, to, you know, fill us with His power, and okay, now we start to flow out of it. And I had said last week, now next week, from here until the end of the year, we're going to talk about power gifts. We're going to talk about how the power flows through us. And all week long, the Holy Spirit goes, no, you're not. And I was like, what do you mean, no, I'm not? He goes, that's not, that's not, the, you're, you're missing something. I was like, what am I, what am I missing, Lord? How could I miss, no. But as we were going through the week, as I was going through the week, then you know, we had kind of a busy week, didn't we? Had one of those weeks where I didn't really even get to go in and working on the sermon until four o'clock this morning. And as I sat down, I, I, I pull up, 1 Corinthians 12, just like here, because I know that's where it starts talking about the gifts and I'm going to start laying it all out and, and I start you know, praying about, okay, Lord, you know, lead me, guide me. I start reading and all of a sudden I went, oh, man, I can't start talking about the gifts yet. Because the context of the gifts happens within the church. Until we understand the church, We don't dare venture out into the gifts. Because the gifts isn't for one person. Okay, strap on all my tools, strap on all the power, and now I'm going to go win the West. A Christian is not a lone ranger. Or, you know, the hero at the end of the movie who's going to save everybody. A Christian, Christianity doesn't work that way. We're not out there all by ourselves, us against the world, but God's got our back and we're going to make it. No. It's about us. It's about the body. And that's where the the Corinthian church messed up. Is they said, woo, look at the power I've got. And they started using it. And they started hurting people. And the whole 1 Corinthians 1 through 1 Corinthians 8, 9, somewhere in there, and then he starts switching over and starts teaching them, is all about him going, stop it! Do you realize what you're doing? You're hurting people. You're, you're, you're not being Christ-like. You're not, you're not living. The, you've got the power, but you're, not, you're wielding it like a three-year-old. I mean, you give a three-year-old a pistol, now you're going, you'd never give a three-year-old a pistol. Exactly. You don't give a, a, a someone who is immature, you don't give a, a someone who doesn't know how to use it, you don't give them that kind of power. You don't put them behind a wheel. I don't even know why we put 15-year-olds behind a wheel. <laughs> Some 25-year-olds should not be behind a wheel. Some 40-year-olds, no, I'm just kidding. The whole idea that when Paul is talking about the gifts here, it's all in the context of the church. When the early believers got born again, they came out of lives that were steeped in idol worship. The difference between their lives dedicated to those, those mute idols was those idols were just stone and wood. They didn't have anything to them. But all of a sudden, they get introduced to the living God. And then they said, oh, by the way, do you know that you can get filled with the spirit of the living God? They went, wow, that's kind of cool. Okay, we're going to fill you with the spirit. All of a sudden, all the power of the universe is at their disposal. And what did they start doing? Woo! Paul said their, their services, their worship services were a mess. Now, in America, we have the opposite problem. Our worship services are quiet. So we're thinking, oh, at least we're not like the Corinthians. But conversely, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I believe the church in America is having the same problem as the church in Corinth. We don't understand the gifts. We don't understand what they're for. We don't understand how to use them. And, well, you know, that's for somebody else to use. Pastoral staff. Long, you know, as long as we have the pastoral staff in the church operating in the gifts, whew, we're covered. Corinthians says, when you all come together, you should all have a song, a hymn, a spiritual song. The spiritual gifts are given, it talks about. We're going to get into all of this. We'll get into all the details in the weeks to come but when the spiritual gifts manifest because it's as the Spirit wills, He will use every. Say every. 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 The the, the, uh, uh, Greek word for every, do you know what it means? Every. (laughs) Every believer as the Spirit wills. As the Spirit wills. The Spirit wills. You know what I mean? Did you catch the difference between what I said? He, he, he gives the gifts as the Spirit wills, as the Spirit wants to wants to, and the Spirit wills. He wants to. He wants each of us to flow in the Holy Spirit. This is a rhetorical question. Do not raise your hand. I'm just giving you a fair warning Out now, because some people will just answer the question and realize, I don't believe I just, what, I, what I just answered to. No, this is a rhetorical question. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit use you with one of the spiritual gifts? gifts? Has he ever used you in a situation to minister to someone else with one of the spiritual gifts? It's actually one of the questions in your, in your outline at the end of the, this first lesson that we're having today is, has the Holy Spirit ever used you with one of the spiritual gifts? One of the nine power gifts, you know, uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, working of miracles, faith, all of those different ones. Hypothetical, or not hypothetical, rhetorical question. Because, I would say a major amount of people have not. The first time the Holy Spirit used me to use to, to, and willed for me to, to manifest, to, to, to minister according to the Holy Spirit using one of the spiritual gifts was not when I was a pastor. The first time it happened, I was a professional hot dog maker. I was nothing special. I had no degree. I had no degree behind my name. I had, I just wanted to be used by God. I just, I would read the Bible and say, wow, he wants to do these things through me. Okay. Holy Spirit, have your way. Do what you want. And then I allowed him to, when he led me to do something, I stepped out by faith and did it. And saw miracles. Saw the hand of God move through my life. And, the, and I, once, you felt, once I felt it once, I wanted it a second time. And after the second time, I became a Holy Ghost junkie. Because you get, you get so excited to see, wow, God is really doing stuff. He's really doing the stuff. The problem is the majority of the church does not experience that. And that's going to change. That's going to change. It's going to change here anyway. You're going to have opportunity in the, ne- in, the, in the days, months, weeks, and years to come for the Holy Spirit to use you. And you're going to go, oh my goodness. Now I know, we're going to talk about all the things, because you might think, well, he hasn't because he doesn't, doesn't trust me. He doesn't want to use me. Eh, wrong answer, we'll talk about that, we'll deal with those things as we go along. Say, all of us. All of us amen he wants to use all of us hallelujah all right so they came from a place of no power now they had power and what do you do with that power first corinthians 12 verse 4 Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. It is God who gave the Spirit. It is God who gave the gifts. It's God who gives the power. And it's God who does things through us. It's not ourselves. It is not about us working up something even jesus you remember that verse in in the new testament where where he came into a city and there were a bunch of sick people there and it says that he perceived there was power to heal jesus couldn't even heal when there wasn't power to heal when he was when, when he didn't perceive that there was power because there were some places where he couldn't heal or he could only heal a few there are regulations, there are boundaries, there are reasons why things happen and don't happen. But it's God who decides it, it's not you. Anybody who walks in and proclaims themselves something, I am a faith healer. Everyone I put my hands on will be healed today. You could be a little skeptical of that. Because it's as the Spirit wills. The Holy Spirit can use the most unlikely person, and most of the time does. Or he can use whoever he wants. He can do anything. I've seen God use children. Praise God. Tally prayed for me at, what, two or three years old. Daddy healed in Jesus. Amen. And I was instantly healed. Sitting in my chair. God will use anybody who is, who is willing to allow him to flow through them. You just have to be willing. You just have to want. But it's the Holy Spirit who does it, not your working it up. So it has nothing to do with you. So if something doesn't happen, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. That's what most people do. I'm not doing anything because if it doesn't happen, then that's just going to prove that God's mad at me doesn't like me, doesn't anoint me. God gave the gifts of the Spirit to the church and he is in control of how, when, and why they should be used. He is the Lord of the gifts. The Corinthian church was not lacking in the use of the power of God. They were lacking in the proper use of the gifts. So, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, What are the gifts for? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So the the reason God gives the Spirit or the the gifts of the Spirit is for the common good. It isn't for one individual to go, Oh, I got power. I got the power. It's about, if God gives you power, it's because somebody else needs it. so there are times when you feel the anointing another rhetorical question have you ever felt the anointing of god i have i know when something there's something changes there's something different it doesn't happen every day it doesn't even happen every service but when it does happen you better do something with it because it's not for you it's for someone else you know is there somebody that needs prayer for this? Is there somebody that need Is there somebody who and you take opportunity to move with the Holy Spirit, to to operate with that gift and you will see God touch that other person. So you have to be listening, available and willing for him to do what he wants to do. But it's For the common good. It's not just for yourself. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He, and that really should be a capital H, He, being the Holy Spirit, wills. So God has given the gifts to the church so that the church could be properly equipped to be the witness that he's called us to be. These gifts were different from what they were used to because they they had supernatural power from the one true God backing them up. There is other power in this world. There is other power. There is the, the... That have power. Now they're not as powerful as God. They're not um, uh, omnipresent. They're not everywhere. They're not omniscient, meaning they don't know everything. And they're not all powerful. They can't do anything they want at any time. They're very limited. But there are miracles that happen outside of the kingdom of God supernatural events, supernatural things. And people go, well, I don't want anything of that, so I'm just going to stay so far away from that, I will never allow anything supernatural to happen in my life. I will just trust Jesus, get to heaven, and I'm in. But he spent a whole lot of time in the New Testament telling us, you want the power because it will manifest, and it will will bring an ability to witness to those who are in the world that you won't have if you don't. So we have to find a place where we trust God enough that what he's doing through us is God and not something else. But there were people who experienced things, but when they experienced the true power, the true power of the living God, they knew it was different. The adherents of Baal would prophesy, but their prophecies lacked the eternal, omniscient power of the Holy Spirit backing up their words. The sorcerers of Pharaoh's court could perform miracles with their staffs, becoming snakes by their gods. But when Moses, led by the Holy Spirit to throw down his staff, did so with the effect of his snake swallowing their snakes. The power of God is Trump's. The power of God greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. The Father has given true supernatural power, not to individuals for their own benefit, but to the church so that the gospel can be preached throughout the world. So we can't spend a whole lot of time talking about the power that God has given us through the Spirit until we understand the context of how he's given it. He's given it to us through the church, through, through the Holy Spirit, to individuals to be used through the church. Not just, now careful, not just in the church, but through the church. And here's where we need to make our first delineation. When I say the church, I'm not talking about this building. This building is just a building. It truly is. It's just a building. If someday we don't need this building anymore... I don't care what they store in it. This building is not holy because of the building, the, the brick, the mortar, the wood, the stone, the, the concrete. The building is holy because of the church that meets within it. The church is not a place. It, it has become that. It's become that word. has become used to describe a place. Let's go to the church. But the church is is the body of Christ that meets in that place, or meets anywhere else for that matter, your bedroom or your living room uh, for a Bible study, at the coffee shop for a prayer meeting. When two or three are gathered together, there is the church. Pastor Dan always said, you know, we'd be getting together and hanging out and he goes, hey, we're having church. Exactly. We're being the church. The church is a group of people who are called by his name. And in that church, there is order. There's boundaries. There's rules, regulations. Because we're, we're handling the most powerful power in the universe, we have to know that we're in context doing it correctly. And the only way you can do it in context correctly is to submit yourself one to another is having other people there alongside of you holding you accountable encouraging you holding you up protecting you and we're going to talk about all of that because all those things is what we're supposed to be and I I believe we are in many ways could we be better? yes, yes you could be better okay, I could be way better but we all can be. We we all have room to grow. But it's within the context of the church that God wants to wants to touch the world. 1 Corinthians 12:12. 12, 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, and all were made to drink of, of the one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So yeah, I was reading this this morning, I just read the whole chapter through because I wanted to talk about spiritual gifts, I wanted to talk about the power gifts, and I'm going, oh, you yeah, know, I'm ready to do this. And all of a sudden, I bump into this verse where I'm going, why does he, just, why does he take time... To be talking about the power to all of a sudden go into a long dissertation about the church. It's because what we've been talking about, we have to look at the power. We have to deal with the power in the context of the church. Because within the church is not only safety. You might think that's the number one reason. But within the church is more power. We were just talking about that this morning. had a a conversation this morning and and one of the things we said was one can send a thousand to flight, but two can send ten thousand. Do the math on that. That's exponential. So you get the body together you get the body working as the body the things that we can do. Jesus literally said greater things will you do. You're going to do the things I do, all the miracles, all the stuff, but you're going to do even greater things. Why? Because we have the body. We have the body working together, or we should have the body working together. All headed in the same direction, all with the same goal, and all using the gifts that God has given us individually for that moment as he wills. How many here have ever experienced all of the power of God flowing through you at one time, operating in all nine gifts and all the, the administration gifts and all the things? How many of you have ever experienced that e- ever in your life? Neither have I. There's only one person that says that, that received the, the Holy Spirit without measure. And that was Jesus. And that was only because he was perfect and God. After that, he gives the gifts as he will. So he may give one person a gift, but in the situation we're in, we really need five of the gifts operating simultaneously. Only one person can handle one at a time. So that means he has to find four other willing people to operate in the other gifts simultaneously so they can do everything he wants to do in that moment. And so then it takes five people who are willing to be used by God in a situation and a little bit of seasoning because the first time you do it, you may just do something crazy. Cool. Let me just lay that out there as a, as a precursor to operating in the Spirit. You may not do it perfect the first time. That's okay. Okay. Just step out by faith. Remember the first time Peter walked on water? Didn't work out that well, did it? Jesus said, you know, okay, try it again. I mean, he doesn't actually, but he pulls him up. He still pulled him up, and then he had to walk back to the boat, didn't he? Probably holding on to Jesus going, I ain't letting go of you, man. But that's the way we should be anyway. Anytime we operate in the Spirit should be holding on to Him, going, I'm not doing anything unless you're walking with me, unless I'm holding on to you, I'm looking at you. Because we then realize that we give honor to Him that it's Him, not me. Anything, anything that God has ever done through me, I am absolutely convinced, beyond a shadow of a doubt, had nothing to do with me, except I was willing. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't because I was good. It is because I'm righteous, because he's made me righteous, but it's not because I'm good, or perfect, or anything else. It's because he wills. But we all get to make mistakes. We all get to take chances. That's cool. Paul understands the problem of the church in Corinth is that their experience is a problem of context. The Corinthians were using the gifts of the Spirit as an outward show of their spirituality rather than as a witnessing platform. They were acting as individuals rather than the body of Christ. We are individuals, but we have been brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ that is so binding that that it is as if we have become one person and in so doing have become one with all others who have bound themselves to Christ. When we join ourselves to Christ, by default we bind ourselves to all the other individuals who have joined themselves to Him. We don't get a choice as to whether this will happen or not, or to whom we want to be joined to or not. I didn't know when I received Christ, when I asked Christ to come into my life, when I repented, when I, jo- when I joined him, I didn't know I was joining you. And I'm pretty sure all of us had the same experience. But as we grew up in Christ, all of a sudden you start realizing, whoa, wait a second, there's something bigger happening here. And if you haven't noticed that yet, Welcome! We are all a part, if you're born again, you are a part of the body of Christ. And I don't mean just this body of Christ. This this right here is not all of the body of Christ. There's a body of Christ meeting down the road about, whatever, a couple miles that way, and there's one a couple of miles that way, and there's probably some that way, and that way, and then 50 miles, and then 10 miles, and all around the world the body of Christ is getting together, usually on a day like today. And they're all the body of Christ. So when you show up there, many times, you ever had that experience where you show up somewhere and you realize, whoa, I'm a part of this. There's a relationship here. There's people here. It's like I've known them my whole life. It's because the body of Christ is bigger than just You. And you didn't get a choice. That's just what happens. You're a part of a body. You don't get to be a Lone Ranger Christian. You don't even get to be a Tumbleweed Christian. What's a Tumbleweed Christian? Well, I think I'm going to go to church over here this week. And I also go to church over there next week. And then I also get to go to church, and I get to do it whenever I decide. I have never, ever, ever for a moment ever got to decide where I get to go to church. If you do, if God gives you that freedom, bless you, but I have never, and there have been places that I have that he put me that I did not like, but grew to like, and there have been places that God has placed Deb that she did not like at all. At, for, for weeks and months. A year? Was it a full year? Was it two years? No, it was a year though. When... Real quick story. Before I met Deb. Before I met... No, it's not here. It's not here. It wasn't this place. It was a different place. Before I, before I met Deb, I was at a meeting one night. And I was sitting in the back row because the back row was the best place to sit in a meeting. And so, I now have, I have to always sit in the front, but I'd love to be back there with you guys. Back row, that's the best place. So I'm sitting in the back row, and this guy is preaching. It's the first time I had ever heard someone that somebody else said, oh, this guy's a prophet. I'm like, what is a prophet? I don't understand what that means. And all I know, all I know, is when this guy started talking, it felt like everything in me was burning. Now, the interesting thing is he didn't wear a long robe and a big beard and the hair, you know, he, he actually looked like a farmer. And he sounded like a farmer because he's from Arkansas. And As he began to preach, I thought, what in the world have I gotten myself into? <laughs> and I'm going to have to listen to this guy for the next 25, 35, 45 minutes or so. Oh, Great. But he began to talk about the things of God and it felt like everything in me was burning. And then he begins to pull people out of the audience saying, hey, can I pray for you? And, and he'd pray for this person, he'd pray for that person, and I, don't, I didn't really know them. I was, was kind of new in that church, so I didn't really know what was going on. He went through the whole meeting. And I'm just, all I know is God's there. That's the only part I understood. That's the only part I knew was God was in, he was here and that guy was speaking. I mean, it just sounded like He wasn't God, obviously, but it sounded like God speaking to me. And at at the end of it, I was so glad he didn't call me forward. And so I'm like, oh, good. He he goes, well, in closing, he says, I'd like to... No, just wait a second. Young Young man, back there in the back row. Why don't you come up here? And I'm sorry. He goes, No, that's you. That's what I'm talking. That's who I'm talking about right there. <laughs> so I stood up and came forward because you know, I didn't want to die. So I thought, you know, okay, I'll come forward. <laughs> and he goes, Can I pray for you? And I said, sure. And that man started reading my mail. I mean, hardly anybody in that room knew me i mean they didn't know me they knew who i was they knew my name they had met me a few times but nobody in that room knew me and he had never he didn't know me he had he had never met him before in my life had no he had no idea who i was and he started saying this he goes father i pray that this lo- this young man learns how to trust again I pray that he learns how to trust people again. And that was the whole thing. That was my, that was my problem at that moment in my life. I trusted nobody. I didn't trust individ- I didn't trust people to begin with, because people had never done anything to me except lie and cheat and ostracize and hurt. And I for sure didn't trust women. Because every, every relationship I had been in had turned out to be just a mess. Obviously caused by them. <laughs> and I for sure didn't trust church. Because the people I had met in church... And he says, Lord, I pray that he learns how to trust again. And even more, Lord, that he'll learn how to love. <laughs> that he'll learn how to love again. And man, I'm just, I almost, I'm almost falling down at this. time. not because, I don't know if it was, I mean, who, I didn't understand nothing back then. I didn't know what that, but I'm, my, my legs are shaking because it's the power of God speaking through this man, right to my heart. And he says, Father, I pray that you will bring him to a place, to a group of people that will show him how to love again. How much you love him, how much they love him, and how much he can love other people. Amen. You may go back to your seat. That was it maybe 30 seconds 45 seconds but it it just man it just nailed me within a short time i met deb and with the even shorter time we got married and we'd kind of we were going to the to a to a church that was just i knew we were supposed to be there but it was just it's what we did we weren't involved. I mean, we just, it just wasn't, it was, it was, okay, it's where we were. I didn't like it. So then we go to college, Deb talks me into going back to college, and we end up going to, to River Falls, Wisconsin. Who, in their right mind, moves on purpose to River Falls, Wisconsin? <laughs> I actually had said that about ten years before. Driving through River Falls going, this is the goofiest podunk little town I have ever seen in my life. Who in the world would want to live in River Falls? But in talking to somebody and finding out what the best school for her to go to and for me, you know, we worked all that out. We ended up in River Falls, Wisconsin. We started looking for a church. Did one of those open up the newspaper and you get all the, the church page. And there was one that kept, you know, you know kind of like just there. I mean, it didn't actually blink, but it was like, you know, it's like that's the one I'm supposed to go to. So we tried all the other ones around it. But I kept seeing this one, and and the thing that kept hanging me up was the name of it, Communion of Saints. I couldn't tell if it was a Mormon church or a Catholic church. I'm like, but it was just like, there's this name, and I'm just, and we finally went to one church, and we met the pastor, and this, you know, the the wonderful people, wonderful people, and we started, he says, well, tell me your testimony. So I told him about how I got born again, and got filled with the Holy Spirit. He goes, oh, yeah, you need to go to Communion of Saints. (laughs) It's the first time I ever had a pastor goes, you need to go over there. (laughs) Well, I was happy. I was like, hey, that sounds great. We'll go to theirs because that's the one that's been kind of jumping out at me. So, okay, we'll go to that one. So we go to there the next Sunday and I sit there through the service and I'm going, this is it. All three hours of it was that this (laughs) is it. And it wasn't because it was three hours, but it was because I knew it was the Holy Spirit. I knew, I knew this was the church, communion of saints. Pastor Dan was preaching, and it was, I mean, it was, okay, this is where we're going, and I'm happy, I'm excited. And we're walking out to the car, and I said, wow, Deb, what did you think? She goes, I hated it, but I'm glad we never have to go there again. And I said, really, why is that? She goes, they hugged me. And being the loving husband that I am, I said, no, we're going back. (laughs) And there's sometimes, men, you put your feet down, your foot down, and there's sometimes you get out of the way. And, you know, I mean, you'd you'd be gentle with your wife. Well, this one I had to be, no, we're going. I said, this is it. I know this is it. And I drug her there every week for a year. And every week she took notes. And every week, she studied it out in the scriptures because she was looking for some reason to go, John, this is wrong. We're not going there. And how many times did you ever run into anything that was wrong? None. Not once. And at the end, one day, she just quit bringing her, note, her notepad. I was like, what are you, where's your notepad? And she goes, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I said, why? She goes, we're supposed to be here. And it was in that church where I learned to love again. It was the people. People. People that are still friends. Still family. Still. They, I mean, I learned to trust people again there. I didn't realize it right away, but it was, it was a ways into being there. We were there for 88 to 2000. 2000. 12 years. We were there for 12 years. It was a ways into being in part of that church when all of a sudden that prayer came back to me. And I realized it was those people that prophet was talking about. It was those people. To show you how God works miraculously. First day Deb went to that church, she said, absolutely not. We're done. I'm never going back there again. The last day we were there we both cried so hard <laughs> we couldn't breathe. Because it was home. It was home. And it wasn't the building. Couldn't care less about the building. Actually, in many ways, the building ticked me off. <laughs> but the people. Same thing here. I didn't want to come here. Do you realize? I mean, I've told this story before. When I... When I For years, you guys were. This this church was the little sister. Oh, it's the other church that Pastor Dan and Claudia started. They're so cute. It's the little sister. You know how little sisters get treated. And then one day I was driving by, and it was about uh, about six months before the Lord called us to come here. I was driving by, and I saw the sign. I don't know what changed. I don't know. It's, it's how God works sometimes. Drove by, I saw the sign, and, all, and immediately I went, I could go there. I could be a part of that. Having no idea what, the, what was going to happen within six months. I did not understand why I would even have that thought. But in my head I went, I could do, I could, I could do that. And the rest is history. The church, the church, the people, we need each other. It's through this, it's through this relationship that that we become who God's called us to be. It's within this relationship that allows you to grow in such a way that it's safe. Because many things in this world are not safe. Now I'm not saying everybody here or any other church is perfect, because they're not. I'm not perfect. Sooner or later I will tick you off. If I haven't already. And I know I have. Because we're human beings. But it's within this group, it's within the church, that God does the miraculous. Miraculous. And he teaches people to love again and he teaches people to trust again and he teaches people to grow up because there's nobody like family who will tell you the truth there's nobody like family that has the relationship deep enough to say all right it's time for you to knock it off we're not putting up with it anymore you don't say that to strangers i don't say that to strangers If some guy out in the streets being an idiot, good luck, have fun. But if one of my family is being an idiot, I love you enough to say, come on, knock it off. And I want, and I need, and I desire, and I want to thank you for all of you who have told me to knock it off and step up and grow up and everything else that as family we do for each other. But it's within that context that Paul talks about the power. We're individuals, but we're the church. The, the The Greek here, you'll just look at it's in your notes there. The Greek word for the church is actually uh, the word ecclesia. Interestingly, it's a noun, obviously, but it's also feminine. But why? Why is it feminine? Because we're the bride of Christ. Amen. The short definition is an assembly, a congregation, or a church. The whole, the bigger definition, is the body—the whole body of Christ as believers. The church, ecclesia, are the called out ones, the ones who have j- decided to join themselves to Christ and have decided that we have one heart, one mission, one desire, and that's to see more people joined to his body. For the world to be saved. Because if they don't join with his body, they will perish forever. It's kind of like the Noah and the ark. Anybody who didn't get in the ark, didn't make it. Same thing. In this day and age, the Bible says it'll be like the days of Noah. Why? Because it's exactly like the days of Noah. They only get one chance at this. They only get one life. And in this life, they have to make a choice. And they will make a choice. They either make a choice for Christ or they make a choice to to reject him and to ignore him. And it's the job of the church to give them the chance. It's the job of the church to show them what Christ looks like. It's the job of the church to put down their desires, their wills, their, their hopes and dreams, and to hook up with God's hopes and dreams that says that not one be lost. If someone within the body of Christ, that is not their burning hope, then they need to grow up. Then they need to knock it off. Because then they're acting like the church in Corinth, where it's all about me. It's about what I can get out of this. We're members of a body. And we don't get to choose who we get sat next to. First Corinthians twelve, fifteen. And I'll close here. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Let me read that again. On the contrary... The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which, or, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. We need each part. That that right there is a whole study in itself. We could spend weeks and even months talking about every part belongs. But if you're not acting as part of the body in one way, shape, or form, however God is is leading you, if you don't allow Him to, to work through you in the way that He wants to work through you, then the rest of the body is going to suffer. If God gives you a word of wisdom that you don't share in the proper time, in the proper way, then we will not know what we need to know when it comes time to act. If God has anointed you to pray for the sick at that moment, and you go, no, 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 use somebody else. I don't, you don't need to use me. You're acting just like the eye who says, no, I don't need that. I don't want to do that. And without that, we are not going to see. And that's why the church hasn't seen. It's because too many people including myself i could tell you way too many stories of when i didn't do what i should have done but that doesn't really bring good light to me so i won't share those this morning i've shared some of them haven't i but when we don't do that then that what god wants to do in that person in that moment doesn't get done And if it doesn't get done for that person, then the person they're supposed to minister to doesn't get what they're supposed to need. The body has to work the way it's supposed to. And that means every part doing its part. Now, I have been preaching to the choir all day long because this body is amazing. I am so proud So amazingly proud of us. And I mean us, I mean us as the church here at River Valley. There's a whole part, we'll get to it next week, where it talks about if one part hurts, the other parts rally around it. And this week we got to see another example. And we're seeing another example of the body rallying around one of our own members who's hurting. John passed away this last week. John Baltus. Go ahead and get that video ready if you would. And John, if you want to help her find the right spot. Or Pastor Greg. John Baltus passed away. And, and as you can imagine, Jane was hurting this week. And it was beautiful to see the body rally My around. My new life. Not yet. I'll say when. When. <laughs> I think the, the PowerPoint ministry is one of the unpresentable parts of no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I wouldn't tease you if I didn't love you, Miss Ricky. Ricky is awesome. There were people here doing stuff this week who didn't even know John. That's beautiful. I mean that's that's the body talents people doing things that they could do and we're talking about physical talents here now but but we're we're also talking about people who prayed with each other you know with, with Jane and the family and the fruit that is coming out of this she couldn't be here this morning because the family her family is getting together again so she but she stopped in and she goes if you she goes someday I'm I'm going to sit down and tell you all the things all the people that have been blessed by what happened here this week absolute their lives are changed people got saved yesterday Glory to God. And what's really cool is they got saved because a dead guy preached. And if you didn't see, if you weren't here, which is fine, if you weren't here for the funeral, we're going to play, it's about a 10 minute video. If you need to go, I, I want to release you to go in just a moment. But they're going to show the video. Uh, John was a videographer for, for uh, um, 3M. And, you know, shooting video, splicing video, uh, and what didn't get shared yesterday, I, I could have shared so much when I talked about, you know, just shared from, but do you know, I mean, I don't know if you knew this about John. How many of you ever saw k Record commercials back in the 70s? John shot, produced, and, and edited all of those, those commercials. How many of you ever heard of Ronco, Popeel, Pocket Fisherman? John. I mean, so thank God. I mean, it's because of John we have infomercials today. Uh, <laughs> but the amazing things he did with his life, but bottom line, his last words, were extremely powerful. So I'm going to have him throw on the, the video. I asked Jane if we could do that and, and uh, just enjoy. and at the end, we'll actually I'm going to pray now. If you need to leave, I, you know I understand people have make plans. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, we just seal all of these things in your spirit. And I thank you, Father, for your word working in our hearts. Lord, I thank you for John, who is truly a member of the body of Christ, doing his part, using his, his gifts, his talents, his life, and allowing you to work through him in so many ways. Thank you for him, Lord. And Father, I thank you that as we walk this week out, that for, first of all, for safety for everybody. The Lord also for opportunities to be the church in the world around us. In Jesus' name,
2: amen. Go ahead and hit the video. My new life. Oh, back her up. I've been oh, born. Oh, way back. My new life. Nope.
1: jump way ahead about halfway it's about 11 minutes dollars
2: like to you back a little he said words because usually back, back there stop right there let her Well, hello. This is John Baltus. I just wanted to have a few words. Because usually the uh, honored guest does not speak at these uh, occasions. But I thought I would take advantage of video and uh, have the last word here today. Or one of the words here today. You know, one of the first things I did when I got to heaven... I asked St. Peter, I said, could I speak to God? And he said, sure. So we went and got God, and God came very graciously, and we sat down together and talked. And as we talked, I asked God, I said, God, what's a million years like to you? And he said, a million years is like a second. And I said, uh, well then, what's a million dollars like to you? He said, a million dollars is like a penny. And I thought, and said, God, could I have one of your pennies? And he said, sure, just a second. (laughs) I hope you didn't think that you're going to get by without me telling at least one story at my own funeral. But on a more serious note, I would just like to take this opportunity, and I'm not going to talk long here, but I just would like to thank you all for coming. And uh, as I look back on my life... I've realized I've been blessed. I've been truly blessed uh, with a good family coming from a good family. I've been truly blessed in finding the love of my life, Jane. And uh, Jane and I had many good years together as husband and wife. And I love her dearly and I always will. We also had four children. We had Dan, David, Mary, and Andy And I love each and every one of you. And now I know that sometimes I didn't maybe express it as often as I should, but I do love you all. And I thank God for you. I also thank God for many relatives that uh, were very supportive of me, good people, also many, many friends, many friends. Uh, I thank God for the the many people that... uh, uh, that I've come to know at work and in the church, as well as neighbors. So it's really been a blessed life. And uh, you know, as, as we grow older, we begin to realize the things that are really important. When we're young, uh, it's the job. It's the education. It's, it's material things. All those things have their place. But as, as you grow older and you gain a little wisdom, you realize that all those things are transitory. They, they truly don't bring you happiness and fulfillment and peace of mind. And uh, I guess when I was uh, about 30 years old, I discovered something that changed my life forever. I had uh, gone to visit uh, Sister Helenette Baltus, an aunt of mine, down in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And she had been involved in something called the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. And we walked outside the, the monastery there in Eau Claire. And we sat on a bench and she prayed with me. And Now, I don't remember what she prayed. But I know that I walked away from that day a changed person. God had become a reality in my life, and I became what was then known as a Jesus freak. I constantly talked to Jane about it and drove her nuts. But eventually, we came into a fuller knowledge of what had happened. And I'd just like to draw your attention to one scripture. There's many scriptures that back up what uh, I'm saying, but... The one that I love dearly is in John's Gospel. I think it's the third chapter where Nicodemus, a Pharisee, comes to Jesus and says, you know, we know that you're sent from God because nobody could perform the works that you do unless they came from God. And Jesus said to him, he says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, well, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus said... Verily, verily, I say, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, I came into physical life through my parents. But I came into my spiritual life the day that Sister Helenette prayed with me. When I came into the world physically, I was separated from God. That spiritual connection was severed in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve when they fell into sin. And it was passed on to all of us, this sin. The Catholic Church, they called it original sin. What Jesus did is He came into the world not to judge the world, but to save it. He went to the cross as a substitute for me, and for you. When we accept that, that we can never be found good enough on our own to warrant going to heaven and spending eternity with God, we can never do that on our own. In the scripture it says, our good works are as filthy rags to God. So the key here is to ask Jesus to come into our life and accept the sacrifice that he made for us for the forgiveness of our sins. So I'm going to ask each and every one of you that wants to, to say a prayer with me and invite Jesus in and to ask him to forgive us our sins. The words aren't as important as the heart attitude that we want to surrender ourselves to God, that we desire Him. He said, Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. So that can happen to each and every one of you today. So very briefly here, I would just like to take a few minutes and you can pray along with me. Just repeat after me. Close your eyes and just don't pay attention to anyone around you just for the next few moments. Just say these, just these words. Father God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I ask God that you forgive me of my sins. And I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I believe He came into the world, that He died for my sins, and that He rose in fulfillment of Scripture, and that He lives forevermore. Lord, come into my heart and live in me. Father God, fill me now with Your Holy Spirit, Your Holy Spirit, Will lead me into all truth. Thank you for the gift of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer and meant it in your heart, today you have been born again. Your spiritual eyes, your spiritual understanding have been opened. God will, as I said in that prayer, through the Holy Spirit, will reveal all truth to you. And you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You can live in peace the rest of your days here on earth. But you can have that assurance that when you do die, and you will die, that you will be with God for all eternity. Once again, I thank you for coming today to celebrate with me my new life. I've been born again into the kingdom of God. I have that assurance and I've had it since I was 30 years old. If you put your trust in God, you won't be disappointed. And so I encourage each and every one of you to continue on with God. If you don't give up, you win. Just continue on. Continue with God, and He will bring you to life everlasting. And I'm going to be looking for each and every one of you at the East Gate. Until that day, God bless you.